Welcome to the Dysfunction of Evan official audio podcast. DOE is a popular Tom Hiddleston fan fiction on Wattpad.com written by me, Monet DeLouve. Throughout the podcast, I will be reading each chapter so it can be experienced in audio form. I will speak in a deeper tone for male characters and do an accent for British characters. Please note that I'll not be attempting any other accents. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the fan fiction. A link is provided in the episode information. Also, please consider joining the official group on Facebook, the Dysfunction of Evan Book Club. In the book club, you'll get exclusive story updates as well as bonus content and behind-the-scenes extras. Everything is free, and I will never ask you for any money. To stay updated on this and other projects, please like my page on Facebook, Monet Ardelouve, Wattpad.com author. You can also find me on Twitter, at Monet Ardelouve. Without further delay, here is this episode's chapter. Chapter 4. I'm in way too deep. Help? Trigger warning. This chapter deals with issues that might be upsetting to some readers. I stared into the sink as water swirled with red blood dripping from my arm. I had a death grip on the razor blade in my right hand. My face was scrunched up and I was crying. Fuck everything, I said, putting the blade back to my skin. Fuck everything! I screamed as I pierced into my arm. I crouched down, sobbing and screaming. I just wanted to end. Please just stop. I cried. What are you doing? Natalie shouted at me. She rushed over and yanked the razor from my hand. She grabbed a towel and wrapped it tightly around my arm. She pulled her phone from her pocket and dialed a number. I don't care where you are or what you're doing. You need to get here now, she said angrily into her phone. She paused, then said, because she cut herself. I don't know what's going on, but she's in a real bad place and you need to be here. She hung up the phone and looked at me. Fuck, you need to go to a hospital, she said. She noticed a half-empty bottle of vodka. Fantastic, she muttered as she pulled me up. The blood was starting to seep through the towel. I can't drive and take care of this. I have to call 911, she said. She sat me on the toilet and made her phone call. Caught! Ray called from behind the camera. I unwrapped the towel and pulled the bleeding bladder off of my arm, tossing it in the sink. Great job, Astrid. Do you think you can give it one more go? Nope. I need to stop. Not only am I very drunk right now, I just... I'm very... I need to stop. I replied. We'd already done ten takes, the last eight using real vodka because sober me couldn't cut into the bladders. Okay, we'll break for now. Natalie, I need you to be ready for scene 47 in about an hour. Then we'll be done for the day, Ray announced. You okay? Natalie asked me. Andrea brought over wet towels so I could clean up. Nope, I said. I didn't want to talk about it. I cleaned myself up in silence and went to my trailer. Tom was sitting in the living room talking on the phone. Rebel curled up in his lap. I grabbed Rebel and went to my room without a word, not even looking at Tom, who tried to grab my attention. I closed my bedroom door and curled up in the middle of the bed with my cat. My mind was swirling with memories of times I'd cut myself. I stared at the two thin lines on my right wrist, remnants from a cutting session almost two years ago. Not my most recent, but the last one to leave scars. I tried to avoid leaving scars on my arms. I had tattoos to cover the worst ones. 
the ones on my stomach and thighs blended in with my stretch marks. I ran my thumb over the scars my eyes were fixated on, remembering why I did it. There was a light knocking on the door before it opened. I glanced up to see Tom's head sticking through. Can I come in? He asked, his voice soft and comforting. I shrugged. He smirked, stood there for a moment, then walked in and sat on the edge of the bed. He noticed I was rubbing my wrist and grabbed it to investigate, looking at my scars. I had an affair with someone I shouldn't have been fucking. And I thought I was pregnant. I had decided to get an abortion, I said in a small voice. Tom didn't say anything as he released my arm. I wasn't pregnant. Turns out ovarian cysts cause positive tests and early pregnancy symptoms. He shifted and pulled me close, letting me rest my head in his lap. I held my left arm and traced the outline of my dark mark tattoo. I have scars hidden under there from high school. My teen years were the worst. No one listened to me. I kept saying I was just looking for attention. I was alone in more ways than one. <coughs> it helped me to remember that I was still alive and it helped me validate the pain I felt. As I spoke, Tom ran his fingers gently over the tattoo, feeling the scars of my pain. Do you still cut? He asked. I try not to. I'm not proud of it. I'm not ashamed either, though. I know it's not the best coping skill, so it's a last-ditch effort if nothing else worked. Why was I telling him all of this? It took me ages to open up to my best friends about my cutting, and here I was spilling everything out. I couldn't do this seem sober. I couldn't even pretend to cut myself unless I had a few shots. They had to swap the water out for real vodka. I still couldn't get it right. Then I got too drunk and too much in my head to go on. It happens. No one will fault you. It's going to be a rough project for all of us. It's a brutal story, he replied. He was rubbing my back now. It felt so good. I felt my eyelids get heavy. Have you ever been drunk while on set? I asked. Doing unrelated, I did once. When I jumped naked into the pool, I was drunk. Not off my ass drunk, but the scene was helped along with a couple of shorts. He said with a soft tone, I was still pretty young back then. Because you're so old now, I teased. I'm pretty close to 40. You've got time. I went through half a bottle of vodka, I admitted. Tom chuckled. That's quite a bit, he said. You could probably use some food and water. Chili cheese fries sounds amazing. So does Taco Bell. I rolled over so I could look at him. His blue eyes were shining in the dim light of my room. Let's go to Taco Bell then, he said. Thanks, but I really don't want to deal with people, I replied. Then what would you like? I'll run out and get it for you, he offered. A number six with beef and a soft taco with the Baja Blast and cinnamon twists, I said. It was my go-to order. I sat up and started searching the nightstand. I have money somewhere. I don't need your money. This is my treat, he said, standing up. Are you sure? I asked. I was sitting on the edge of the bed. He was only a few inches to my right. If I moved toward him, I'd be in a prime position to thank him. I wouldn't have asked if I wasn't sure, he said. Why don't you lay down and rest while I'm gone? He lifted the blankets of my unmade bed. I nodded at him and crawled under, letting him tuck me in. I fell asleep not long after he left.
You're such a fucking cunt. I can't believe I thought getting married was a good idea, manipulative slut. He towered above me, huge and red, as I cowered in the dark corner. The words he spat cut into me like daggers, leaving me bleeding. I was trapped and couldn't escape. He grabbed my neck and lifted me above his head. The ground vanished below as he let me go, and I fell into an abyss. Daddy, why can't you love me? I thought I was your little girl, came a child's voice echoing through my head. You're filled with demons, you nasty devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Be gone from this world, my father shouted at me. I kept falling, screaming. Astrid, Astrid, wake up. His frantic voice and gentle touch woke me. I was a sobbing mess as he pulled me into his lap. He held me close, rubbing my hair as he rocked me. No one had ever given me comfort from a nightmare, at least not since my mom when I was little. I clung to him as his soothing voice and touch chased away the monsters. It was pitch black and I hadn't realized he'd stayed after I went to bed. He'd returned earlier with Taco Bell and we'd eaten and watched TV and spent the evening talking. That was several hours ago, though. I had a death grip on him, fearing that if I let go, I'd vanish. He was singing softly to me in a language I didn't know. French, maybe? He scooted himself further onto the bed and adjusted us so that he could sit comfortably against the pillows. He let me cry. I hadn't cried in so long, it felt good to get it all out. I didn't even notice that he wasn't wearing a shirt until I realized I'd covered his shoulder and chest in tears, snot, and spit as I was finally able to start calming down. He handed me my box of tissues once my sobs had turned into sniffles. I crawled out of his lap and dried my face and cleared my nose. He grabbed a few more tissues for himself and attempted to dry himself off. I'm sorry, I said in a pathetically small voice. He shook his head. Don't be. He leaned over and pulled me into a hug. Do you have nightmares often, or was this just triggered by today? I have them a few times a week, unless I have wine and sleeping pill cocktail before bed. I pulled away from him and got up to grab a tile, towel I had draped over the doorknob. He took it and finished wiping himself off. That's not a good combination, he said, handing me the towel back. I tossed it onto a pile of dirty laundry on the floor. It's what works, I said, sitting back down on the bed. I'm glad you're still here, though. Thank you. I thought about going back to my condo, but I'd have, have to be on set early, so I figured I'd get more sleep if I stayed here. He motioned for me to move closer. I hate having nightmares. They make me feel so weak, I said, laying down next to him. He wrapped his arm around me and pulled me closer. Nightmares are just incarnations of our fears and worries. If you want to tell me about them, I'd be more than willing to listen. It might help for you to talk about them, he said. I had a choice to make in that moment. Throw caution to the wind and show him my most vulnerable self, thus trusting him, or suffer in silence. I didn't talk about my nightmares because it meant talking about my childhood and my marriage in a depth that I didn't dare go. How did I know he wouldn't break my heart? I didn't, and I knew if stripping down my wall wasn't worth it, pain would follow at some point. I didn't even trust my best friends with this information, and I would die for them. Everyone who I trusted with my nightmares always betrayed me. There was something about him, though, some kind of pull that made me want to tell him about my nightmare. Just this one, though. 
as a test to make sure I was making the right choice. He listened, like he really listened. It sounds to me like your father and your husband are the two people who have hurt you most and you're still trying to heal, he said when I was done. No matter what I do, though, I can't. I've made my amends with my dad, but it still hurts. I'm still bitter. I haven't seen or talked to my husband in years, but what he put me through still affects me. He's like a dark cloud. Making peace with your father will take years. Not everything is able to be forgiven or forgotten, but learning how to move past can take time. It may be you'll never fully move past, but as long as you want to, you're ahead in the game. He said, he kissed my forehead. Are you in the divorce process? No. He refuses to do anything to help. He won't help me pay, won't let me contact him without a lawyer. He's being impossible, I said. It's another way for him to control you. You won't stay with him, but by doing this, he still has the power. You can't fully move on until the divorce is final. And he knows that. He gave me a squeeze. I plan on getting everything started once I get in school and I'm finally gotten my final check for the film, I said. But that won't be until January at the earliest. Have you seen a therapist? He asked. I scoffed. Yeah, several. They don't want to talk about the past. They want to focus on the present. I can't tell them what's really going on in my head because they'll just toss me in a mental ward and dump pills down my throat that don't work. Medications just make things worse. They might help for a month or two, but then things start to get worse after that. Every suicide attempt I've had, I was on antidepressants. I'd rather be off meds and deal with the thoughts every day because at least they just stay thoughts for the most part. If you need to talk, if you need anything, come to me. I promise I won't have you committed and I won't turn you into a pillbox, he said with a smile. Lean on me for a bit. Why are you being so nice? I asked. Because I'm a nice guy. I know it sounds cliche, but I can only go by what I'm told. Personally, I think if people were just more willing to listen to others and understand, this world would be better off. Humans are selfish by nature. Every creature is. It's how we survive. What makes humans different from other animals is our ability to learn, understand, and adapt to drastic change. What we fail to do overall, however, is accept those that think or behave differently. People with mental illness aren't broken. They think and act differently from those who don't have that burden. You've learned to adapt, to function, and survive. You've been so strong to do it alone, and I admire you for that. You deserve a shoulder. You've earned it. This was a defining moment. This was is where I had to make a choice. Trust him fully or turn away. This would define our relationship from here on out. At the very least, let me be your friend, though I still plan to rue the shit out of you, he added. Why do you want to woo me? Because I get the sense that you've given up on all the wonderful aspects of love. I shifted so I could look him in the eye. What are you saying? You are someone I could easily see myself with. You had me enchanted the moment I saw your audition. As a romantic, I always liked the idea of true love and love at first sight. But I never thought it was something in this realm of reality until I saw you open that door last week. As soon as I saw you in person, everything shifted. I want to be what makes you smile. I want to pick up all the broken pieces of you and put them together. Who knows? Maybe your broken pieces fit mine. 
I can't explain how right it feels to get close to you. I just know that it does. And I will chase you until you tell me to stop. What if I say yes? I'll still chase you. Because yes doesn't mean you'll stay. I woke up hours later still pressed to him. We'd fallen asleep talking, and for the first time in years, I didn't have nightmares or upsetting dreams. In fact, I felt like I'd gotten quality sleep. I snuggled into him, still unsure of what to do. As a romantic, I'd always dreamed of being swept off my feet, saved by a white knight. The realist in me knew that would never happen, and was now confused as fuck because that's exactly what was happening. My heart wanted to trust this, to let it happen, but my head was screaming no, that I was only going to get hurt. What about my motto? I'll never know unless I try. It was a miracle that I was even on his radar. Only an idiot would give this up. My mom had always told me that when in doubt, to trust my gut. Right now my gut was saying let it happen, just go with it. Was that really the best course of action? Tom was still sleeping, and I was too comfortable to move, but the pressing need of my bladder forced me to carefully untangle myself from him. Somehow, I managed not to wake him. In the bathroom, after tending my bladder, I caught sight of myself in the mirror, and I looked like a train wreck. My hair was damp and matted on one side, and frizzy and tangled on the other. The side of my face that had been pressed against Tom was red, and I had the telltale signs of drool around my mouth. My eyes were swollen from crying so hard. Glad that he was still asleep, I peeled off my nightclothes and stepped into the shower. I let it warm up before stepping into the stream. I lathered my hair with my favorite shampoo and let it soak as I scrubbed my body face to toes. I rinsed off and placed a generous amount of conditioner in my hair and brushed it through. I let that soak as well. I was going to shave, but I remembered that I wasn't allowed to. Evan didn't shave often, so I couldn't either. Although no one said I had to neglect my pubic hair, and that was starting to get shaggy. If things took with Tom took the direction they were heading, keeping myself groomed down there would save me from embarrassment later. I set to the task, happy to be able to maintain some control over my normal self-care habits. When I was done, I rinsed my hair, pulling a depressing amount of loose hair out. How the hell was I not bald? I can make a fucking wig out of this. Feeling clean, I let myself enjoy the warmth of the water until it started to fade. I got out, dried off, and wrapped myself in towels before picking up my PJs and going back to my room, where Tom was still asleep. I looked at the time. Andrea would be here soon to go over the day's schedule, and I really didn't want her to know that Tom had slept in my bed. I quickly got dressed and woke him up. Did you sleep well? he asked. I nodded. Best sleep in a while, I replied. He got out of bed and stretched. Good. I'm going to grab a shower, and I'll see you on set, he said, walking out of the room. Uh, I might have used all the hot water, I admitted, following him out. I wanted Pop-Tarts. He turned and grinned at me, blocking my access to the kitchenette. Well then, it's a good thing I need a cold one. He pulled me against him, and I could feel his erection. He kissed me just as the knocking on the door started. Andrea knocked three times before opening the door. I broke our kiss and pushed him playfully into the bathroom as she walked in. Tom pulled me in and quietly shut the door and kissed me again, setting me on the counter. Miss Long, are you awake? Andrea called. I'll be right out, I shouted between his insistent kisses. I've decided not to have sex with you until you say yes to being mine, he growled in my ear. Last night confirmed what I want. I want to be with you, Astrid. I don't want any games. He stepped away from me. I slid down off the counter and dashed out of the door.
What the hell was I going to do? I hope you enjoyed the reading of the fourth chapter of The Dysfunction of Evan. See you next time. Bye.